0: Thank you for being with us, Lupita. So what I've done, before I teach tonight, I'm going to ask Paul and Lupita to come up, and is going to come and interpret, and just share with you a little bit about, from her perspective, kind of what she's been doing and, ha- and what's been happening in Baja. We're very excited because there's a possibility, we're praying together, that we can actually plant a vineyard church in the little community where she's been ministering. And it's, and it's about 30 minutes away from her home, just a, a little community outside of Ensenada in Baja, and we would love to see a church. So we're praying together for that. But I'm going to have Paul, Lupita, and Evangel now come on up and tell us a little bit about what's happening down there. And use that microphone because it doesn't make funny noises. Yeah, you'll have to share.
1: Okay, so um, you guys, most of you have heard the stories that we come back with after Mexico, and we always talk about how we went out and we prayed with people with Lupita and saw amazing things happen. Um, And she's taken us all around so many places, everywhere. I mean, all around, as far as she can walk or she can somehow find a ride to, she goes out and she just ministers the gospel. She just administers grace to people. She loves them. She does anything she can to help them and and if they if they don't have a way to get to a a local church she will come and teach them the word of god in their house and they will begin these little house churches and there's been little house churches kind of popped up in all these little communities and one of the communities that uh that she's served at is actually where she used to live years before and my wife and i ended up living in the same community when we went and worked at the orphanage down there and we didn't even know her at the time that happened later it's kind of weird coincidence um so, uh this last year, she said, "Hey, I want to go down to this little town it 's called Guadalupe valley and um, And I was like, "Oh, I know that town. We used to live like right next to it, that 's where we 'd go that 's where the nearest store was and uh, So we went down there and we ministered to this group of people down there, and we prayed with we prayed with people with every kind of of illness and issue and even some we even uh delivered a woman from a demonized state she was it was really wild um and and then we had a great big fiesta and had tamales and it was awesome but anyway um so guadalupe has been just able because of evangel was actually living down at casa de paz now the orphanage as well and evangel came back home and she just said hey lupita want to come to oregon with me uh so she jumped in the car and she's been here for the last few weeks and uh Like Glenn was saying, one of the possibilities that we have is to actually help start or plant a vineyard church down in this little town called Guadalupe Valley that she's been ministering in for now 13 years, I believe. Uh, So I just wanted to have Lupita share, rather than just me, and uh, Evangel will will translate. So we only have one microphone, so we'll have to kind of go back.
2: Uh, She wanted me to read these verses to start. It's if you want to look it up, Matthew nineteen twenty nine and thirty. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, it says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Dios les bendiga esta tarde. Um, God bless you this afternoon.:
3: para mí este es un muy
2: For me, this is a really important
3: moment. God gave
2: me this great blessing to be here today.:
3: Gracias, Thank you
2: so much first to God and for all the people who helped me be here.
3: Voy a hablar del ministerio. <laughs>
2: I'm going to talk about my ministry.
3: Hace 12 años cuando el señor me permitió ir a
2: Ensenada, years ago, God let me go to Ensenada.
3: El señor puso en mi corazón el deseo de predicar su evangelio.:
2: God put the wish in my heart to preach evangelism.:
3: Pero no en una iglesia, sino casa por casa,
2: But not in a church, house by house
3: uno And
2: you guys know that when you go from house to house, it's really hard. there's each, more and more struggles with each time.:
3: y no es nada fácil.
2: And it's not anything easy.
3: Se los
2: because your shoes break.: y el And also your money's gone y también
3: si somos bellos el sol se, se encarga de que se nos acabe la belleza otra vez bueno va a ser otra gloria a Dios es un desgaste físico y un desgaste espiritual amén pero doy la gloria a Dios porque usted está cómodo y yo estoy trabajando
2: But I always give glory to God because I'm comfortable and I'm still working.
3: Amen. Gloria a Dios. Y por eso estoy aquí. Porque yo quiero servirle al Señor.
2: And that's why I'm here, because I want to serve God.
3: Pero usted no puede ir. Pero usted puede bendecir al pueblo del Señor.
2: But. But you can't always go. You can always just bless God with what you have. Siempre que una
3: iglesia me gusta decirlo.
2: I always go to church and I like to say that.
3: Ojalá y le guste a usted. ¿Vale?
2: Ojalá y le guste a usted. And I hope that you guys like that.
3: La ofrenda
2: es necesaria en el pueblo de Dios. This offering is really um, a need in God's city.
3: También los diezmos. I don't know that word. <laughs> ¿Sí me entiende? Gloria a Dios. Es importante, es importante aportar a la casa del Señor lo que necesita.
2: It's really important to do what God, like open the doors that God has for his people.
3: Gloria al Señor. I, okay. El Señor ha puesto en mi corazón... Hacer la
2: obra. ¿Cuál obra? De, uh, ¿Empezar la iglesia sí. Oh, God put that especially in my heart to do the work of starting a church out in Ensenada.
3: Es para gente que ha sido golpeada, maltratada, para matrimonios que el enemigo ha deshecho.
2: It's for people who have been abused physically and spiritually and for um, broken marriages to fix them.
3: Es para familias necesitadas. Para cada una de ellas necesita de su ayuda.
2: It's for families in need because they especially need God's help.
3: Ahí tengo unas fotografías que ahorita al terminar me gustaría que las vieran.
2: I brought some pictures and afterwards I'd like to show them to you.
3: La viña en, en Ensenada necesita de su ayuda.
2: Um, that area in, in um, Ensenada <laughs> really needs that help. Amen. ¿Está dispuesto? Dispuesto.
3: O sea, ¿sí quiere
2: ayuda? Yeah, you guys want to help them?
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, yo creo que no. I don't think so. ¿Está
2: dispuesto
3: a bendecir la viña en Ensenada?
2: Are you guys ready to help the church out there?
3: Gloria a Dios. Entonces usted ya es parte, usted, 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 ya es parte de la viña en Ensenada.
2: Um, the venue that we're going to start out there, you guys are already part of it by wanting to help.
3: Amén, ¿está de acuerdo?
2: You guys agree with me?
3: Amén. Gloria al Señor. Quiero quiero terminar diciéndoles que es importante, es importante la viña, porque ahí hay gente muy necesitada y esto esto la Bible necesita la
2: gente conocer. Um I want to finish by telling you guys that there's a really big need, the people who live out there really need this vineyard and they really need to know the Bible too.
3: Amen entonces pues Dios les bendiga. mucho en el y gracias
2: God loves you all very much and thank you for your and your desire to help everything.
0: Amen, Amen, Amen. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you Evangel. Good job under pressure. You did great. So I have been in contact with some of the vineyard folks who work, the. There is a, we have a partnership in Baja, much like the partnership we have in Nicaragua that we work with, so we're work, we'll work together with, there's actually a church, a vineyard church in Tecate, which is just north of where she is, northeast of where this little valley is, uh, and so we're praying, we're praying for a pastor and that God would just really put all the pieces of the puzzle together to, uh, to see that happen. And we'll keep you guys informed, to give you updates as that goes on. So, tonight I'm going to uh, wrap up a series I've been doing on family and family relationships. For those of you that have not been here throughout most of summer, uh, we've been talking about uh, family dynamics and kind of trying to look at those things from a Kingdom of God perspective, which sometimes is a little different than maybe the way that we have uh, viewed them Culturally throughout much of our lives uh, so, so I want to wrap that up tonight And, and I just want to say as I usually do at the end of a series That I hope that it's been encouraging to you, first of all uh, My heart is always, as I prepare teaching To to bring encouragement And, and uh, hopefully help you guys move forward in your relationship with God This particular series, I, I really felt and I think this has happened, that it's been, it would not only be encouraging, but healing as well. Um, you know, we all have families. We've talked about this. And sometimes, family is hard work, isn't it? And sometimes, whether we like it or not, or whether we even like to admit it or not, some of the biggest challenges we face in life and some of the deepest hurts we encounter in life come from uh, those family relationships, and so, so I really hope, as we've looked at family from a kingdom perspective over the past, past few weeks, that that has brought some healing to some of you guys. And I know it has to some, because I've talked with you. I also hope it's been enlightening on some levels. Um, I, I'm of the perspective that none of us have it all figured out yet. That we, we are continually, as, as long as we're walking and talking and breathing on this earth, we're growing in our relationship with Christ, and we we should constantly, or I guess continually, be evaluating and reevaluating our lives, the perspectives we hold on life, and some of the behaviors that follow those perspectives. Right, uh, in light of God's word and God's kingdom, and, and so. I, I'm. I'm really. I, I always, as I prepare to teach, hope that that happens, and that you guys are able, in the course of of a series, to reflect on things a little bit, and allow the Spirit of God to to breathe new understanding and, and new life into you. Those. That's. It's been my goal. Doing anything? I'm just standing here and being very nice. Uh, that's my heart, my goal. So, real quickly, we've talked so far. We started the series weeks ago looking at uh, from the perspective of a child and talked about honoring your father and mother and honoring your earthly father and mother in light of your relationship with your heavenly father. We talked about uh, singleness, being single, and maybe some of the cultural stigmas both in the first century and today around that and how Jesus really had a, a very, very radically different perspective on what it means to be single than that. We've talked about courtship and about... Uh, determining why I should marry, who I should marry, when and how I should marry, not from a consumeristic mindset, much like people in the world tend to do today, but from a kingdom perspective. Uh, wh- who do I marry? When do I marry? In, in such a way that it will really give glory to God, and, and I can be used to, to, to serve Him and His kingdom. We talked about marriage, and, and what a kingdom marriage really looks like, and how that might differ from some of the perspectives on marriage in the world today. Last week, we talked about divorce, and uh, I apologize once again. I, I went long last week, um, but I, you know, I, I looked at that, and I really felt like there was no way to divide it up and break it up. I felt like it was an important issue. I felt like there, it, it, it's, a, it's an issue that affects so many people in our culture today that it was important for us to address that. And I did have some people come up and talk to me afterwards and just thank me for allowing uh, allowing them to see and to receive healing and see sort of maybe what it means to be a divorced person in the kingdom of God rather than just in the world. So tonight I want to end this and I want to talk about parenting tonight. And this again, this is a, uh, this is a very big topic. It's a very broad topic. And there are a lot of different perspectives on parenting. Even within the church today, there are a lot of different perspectives on parenting. There are... Uh, there there's probably you know I've never done the research but I would say in the church today there is as much resource out there on parenting as maybe any other issue and and some of it is is very very good very positive and and so I would I would encourage you guys this if you are uh, of, if, if you are aware of, if you've used curriculum or some resource in your family, in your home that's been beneficial to you, that you share that with one another. That you take the opportunity to really, uh, you know, you know uh, connect and communicate over those issues. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go into a lot of specifics, and, you know, and details in terms of parenting. We don't have time to do that here. Uh, but, but also, uh, that's really not my focus tonight. I, I'm going to simplify a little bit. I'm going to paint with real broad strokes, or real, some, some basic things, um, and just, just give you a, a, a few sort of ideas and sort of what I titled the message tonight is Kingdom Principles for Parenting, and I really have three principles I want to give you uh, that, that I believe will honor God, will glorify God, and will allow you to, to really uh, l- you know, live in, in a kingdom reality as you raise your kids. So let, let's pray, and we'll, uh, we'll take some time and, and look at that. Father, thanks so much again for your hand on our lives, for all that you're doing. Um, Just like we sang tonight, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done in our homes, in our families, uh, and as we raise our kids. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, So again, I'm going to try to do this, uh, just general principles, three really broad sort of general principles in terms of kingdom parenting. The the first one is, is this. Love them like he loves us. You might call this uh, raising your kids Abba style. We've talked about uh, here, the, the sort of foundation for our whole series has been this, that first century Judaism was a patriarchal society. That Jesus came and he applied all of the reality of that patriarchal society to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. He said, God is the one we serve. It's his will that we seek to do. It's him that we want to bring honor and glory to. It's his name that we want to lift up. And and we've we've sort of made that application throughout this series. So it stands to reason. Here's here's my my thinking behind this. If if God is our heavenly father, then if if we are to, uh, to love our children and raise our children in a way that reflects the way that He loves us, that would bring glory and honor to Him. So that's, that's my, my thought behind this, this first point, in loving them like He loves us. And I want to I start with a verse, and this is really our foundational verse for tonight. We'll look at some other verses in sort of illustration later, but, but really the verse I want us to focus on as we talk about this is Ephesians 6.1. Many of you are familiar with it. It says fathers. I, I, again, first century culture, the, the, the father was, was sort of the, the ruler of the roost. Um, so I, I'm going to make application here to fathers and mothers, and I'm going to just say that this applies to both. Okay, So fathers and mothers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So there's, there's something you don't do and something you do do. Don't exasperate your children, but instead bring them up in the training and and instruction of the Lord. I want to look first. A couple of weeks ago, we, did, we 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 introduced a new uh, segment to our teaching time break for Greek. So tonight we're going to break for Greek again. I want to take a look at that word exasperate. The Greek word there is parogizo. It's a it's a com- contracted word. It comes from two root words. And the the first part of the word is para, which has which has really two two different meanings. It's used in two different ways. Both of those ways have application here. The first way is from down under or from beneath something and the second is close proximity it's it's you're close behind beside something the second part of the word orgizo means to become angry so the word to together would be either anger that comes from beneath or anger that is bro- it comes from someplace close by and and again i think both have application here and here's how that they have ap- application the, uh, the down-under part really is, it, it means this, it literally. You, you remember when we've, we've talked about compassion before and the, how Jesus' compassion is a feeling that rises up from inside of the bowels. It comes from the depth of his being. Well, this is the same as that, but in the opposite way. Instead of a compassion or, or love or care rising up from inside, it's an anger that, that's so deep-seated, it's deep-rooted, it's deep down inside of us. Um, that, that's what it means. The other thing about it is it's an anger that's caused by something close. The, the Part of the definition says there, it's a, it really pushes someone's button, it provokes them, you really get to them in an up-close and personal way. Now look, a lot of things in life make us angry, okay? Uh, you, you may be this week, last week, whatever, you're driving down the freeway, somebody cuts you off. They just cut right in front of you and cut you off. And you get angry about that. And you might react. Maybe you honk your horn at them. Beep. Beep. Maybe I'm just saying. You might say a few words directed towards that person. Maybe, some of you, you might gesture in their general direction. Because you're angry at them. They cut you off. But chances are, I'm looking at—I'm just trying not to look at people that I think might do that. Um, Chances are, for most of us, that anger is short-lived. It's going to dissipate almost as quickly as it happened. Within minutes, maybe seconds, that person's on down the road, and you've forgotten about that incident. And it's not eating away at you. It's not grinding on you. And probably, unless you're just, you know, a complete psychopath. Ten years from now, you're not going to be in a therapist's office saying, you know, it, it, it really goes back to that guy that cut me off on the freeway. That's probably not going to happen. You're just going to you get mad for a second, you get over it. That's not what this is speaking of. This is an anger that comes from somebody very close. You've been provoked and pushed and pushed and pushed by someone that you care deeply about and that you believe maybe cared deeply about you. It's an anger that's close beside that's connected to you in a real way. It doesn't come from a random stranger on the freeway. It comes from somebody that you have a deep, deep, deep relationship with. And what Paul's saying is, don't exasperate. Don't provoke your children to that kind of anger. Don't push them in such a way that they'll become embittered and angry with you with that that deep-seated anger inside of them that they find it really, really difficult to get over. And I think some of you identify with that. And, and tonight when we, when we get done, I'm going to try to take time. I want to pray tonight for people at the end of service. And, and some of what I want to pray for is this. I, I just feel like maybe some of you were raised in an environment where that was your experience, where you have anger inside of you today because of hurt that happened in your lives. And maybe as parents today... It's, it, you want to not provoke and exasperate your own children in that same way, and yet it's challenging, and you, and you don't even know how. But, but here, here's what I want to say. We, we run the risk of, of exasperating and provoking our children to anger in that way. When, when we parent them with, with sheer authority, and we impose sort of martial law on their lives with, with no sense of, of, of real natural consequence, And here, you know, I'll give you some examples. Just some, these are little examples, but they're examples nonetheless, I think. You know, sometimes you hear parents say, well, because I said so. Do this because I said so. And I think in some of our minds, that rationale works because, well, I'm the parent, they're the kid. So me saying so should be enough. But really, it's not enough because it doesn't make sense. There's no natural consequence. The child isn't going to understand what the real reason for not having to do that behavior is when you say, just say "because I said so." They, they really need to have a greater understanding of, of what it is that you don't want them to do and why. A- another example would be, you know, I told you so. I told you that would happen. Frankly, that's not all that helpful to to a young mind and a young heart. And and, I, and I'm I, I, sorry. Here. We're created in the image of God. We all are created in the image of God. We're created as persons, as people, with personalities. And, and, and in that part of that personality, God has created us to be self-determining. God has created us. He's given us choices in life. He's given us choices in life, and He's given us freedom in life. And, and God doesn't just say random things, do this, don't do that, because I said so. He, he really presents us options in life, choices in life, and, and really, quite honestly, usually lays out the consequences of those options. One of my favorite passages has always been in Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. I want to read this to you. God speaking. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess." But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the way the Lord deals with us is he presents us with choices and then gives us the consequences of those choices. And, and that's the way he's always dealt with us. From Adam and Eve in the garden forward, God has given his people choices. Even, even we can say, th- there are commands here. The, the commands of God our only commands insofar as we choose to obey them. You understand that? We, we can say, no, no. Now, God clearly spells out, if you obey these commands, there will be life, there will be prosperity, there will be blessing. If you don't, that's, that's not going to be so good. But he makes that very, very clear up front. I think it's helpful to, to translate that idea, that kingdom perspective, and that really is a kingdom perspective, to to our kids in presenting them choices as they grow. I really think that that is loving them very much in the way that God loves us. Uh, We present them an option, and we we share the consequences of those choices and and allow them the freedom to make those decisions. Now, that has to be age-appropriate, right? Okay, so, for example, my grandson Caspian just turned two. And for his birthday party, his mom asked him, what color do you want your party to be? He got to choose. And he said, blue. He likes blue. It's his favorite color. Happens to be my favorite color as well. So he had blue balloons, blue decorations, blue cake that turned everybody's mouth blue. It was very fun. So he got to choose that. Now, maybe, you know, I mean, I'm probably putting a little much into the mind of a two-year-old, but he maybe could have said red. Would have chosen red. But then at the party, he might have thought, Darn, I wish I would have been blue, said blue because I like blue better. Now everything's red. It should have been blue. So the consequence would have been it wouldn't have been blue and it wouldn't have been as much fun, or red if it was as much fun as blue. She, he wasn't given the choice, hey, Cass, do you, you want to take the keys and drive the car to the park today for the party? He wasn't given that choice. Uh, he can't make that decision. That's beyond him. You know, sometimes, sometimes we have to intervene. We don't, you know, your three year old is about to stick a fork into the electrical outlet. So you might go, no, you yell at him, no. And normally you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't yell, no, at your child. But you do that, why? Because you don't want them to stick the fork in the electrical outlet. You know, probably you could go, well, let's just let him go ahead and do that, and we'll talk later about the consequences. So, Billy, what did you learn about putting the fork in the electrical outlet today? Oh, I know, you wouldn't do that, right? You intervene at that point. But you allow your child to make age-appropriate decisions and, and to then live with the result and consequences of the things. And I think what we do, to me, that really, I, I've given a lot of thought to what does bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord mean? And I really think that's a big part of bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord because that's the training and instruction the Lord gives us, isn't it? He gives us that same thing. And so I really believe a big part of that is that, that we allow them freedom to, to, to make those kinds of decisions, and we give them choices in life uh, th- that really help them to, to learn how to walk uh, life out in God's presence and with him. Um, point 1B under, under this, this first point is, you know, lo- love them like he loves us. Point 1B under that would be um, make, sure, make sure your kids know that you love them. All right? That seems really so obvious, but it 's not I, I, I was a youth pastor for thirteen years, and during that time I talked to young people and, and, and I, a few times on different occasions, I have a young person say you know i just, I just don 't know I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if my parents love me you know and it 's just so heartbreaking when that happens, but we need, we, we, we need to we need to tell our kids that we love them we need to communicate that we need to show that to them in, in various ways and and, and Quite honestly, let let me just say, we need to make that a priority in our lives. It's a priority to God to let us know that he loves us. So if we're going to follow the power of God and raise our kids, it needs to be a priority to us to let them know that we love them. Uh, Not long after we moved here to Portland and planted this church, I, uh, I, I was invited to be part of the Vineyard National Leadership Team and was given the opportunity to start and then direct uh, a task force of youth leaders across the country. And it was kind of an honor to be asked to do that. I felt good about it. And it gave me some visibility and some prominence, and I got invitations to go and speak different places. It was, and, and, and quite honestly, it was a lot of fun. It was fun. It was, I liked doing it. I enjoyed it. I liked working with other youth leaders. I, I I really I really did. It was a very fun thing. It happened at a time in the life of my kids where they were an age where it wasn't necessarily beneficial to them for me to be gone as much as I was. And I didn't realize that right away. It took me some time to realize that, and finally I did. And when I when I realized that, I pulled the plug immediately, and I just said, I, I have to resign this position. I can't, I can't do this. And I told my kids, I'm not going to travel. I'm going to be home. I'm going to stay home. And for the next several years, that's what I did. I stayed home with them um, because I knew that that's where I needed to be. It wasn't fair to them. It wasn't fair to Donna to, for me to leave uh, during that time. And so I share that just simply to say I, I had to make it a priority to, to, to let them know that they matter to me. They mattered to me more than other things that were important and that I liked to do. And, 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 and you know, here God communicates his love to us in a, in a variety of ways, doesn't he? Isn't that true? God communicates his love to us in a, in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we just read the Bible. You sit down, you're doing your morning devotions, and all of a sudden you, you just you walk away and you go, man, God, you just, it's, you're just touched. Sometimes in prayer you pray and God responds and you go, man, God Sometimes it's an encouraging word or something from a friend that just, uh, they say something to you and you know it's Lord. Or, or they pray for you and that happens. Or, or a prophecy. Somebody gives you a pr- prophecy and it comes, you know, those prophecies that come right, man, in that moment in time when boom, all of a sudden, yes, and you know God really is here. He's with me. Those are just probably the easiest ones. There's, there might be 50 more that I can't think of right now, how ways God tells us. I, I would just encourage you guys, do that. Let your kids know you love them 50 different ways. Think of 50 different ways to do it. I sometimes will just, kids text, all right? I don't, I'm, not, I'm not good at it. I have huge thumbs. Sometimes I'll just text my kids, and I'll just say, just tell them, hey, I love you guys. I'm still praying for you today. I, you know, just thank you for who you are, whatever. There, there's a, just, just let them know. Let them know in different ways. R- remind them often. Something I learned in this whole process of, of parenting, but, you know, in a bigger way, life, life, is this rules without relationship equal rebellion. Martial law, you know, sheer authority, the hammer coming down, it just it's going to it's going to cause rebellion. There's no way around that. It's just it's it's human nature. Now, don't hear me say rules aren't good. I'm not saying don't have any rules. No, rules are good. We all need rules. We, we us grown-ups need rules too. Um, and our kids need rules. They need boundaries, they need guidelines. But they need them in the context of relationship. Just just rules without relationship, I I guarantee you, I guarantee you, will will lead them into rebellion. And, And they will become exactly what you don't want them to become. So establish rules and guidelines for your kids in the context of relationship. Second point is the power of positive affirmation. In the New Testament, how many times... How many ways does God say amazing, beautiful, wonderful things about you? I don't don't know the answer to that question. It's a lot. And, And those things, in this series, we've been talking about your identity in Christ and defining who you are, and those things that God says... They define who you are. Nothing else defines who you are, but these things define who you are. This is just a few. There's a million. I just pulled some quick. You are one who the Lord rejoices, sings, and claps of. When he sees you, God has a party in his heart. That's what that means. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are God's beloved child. You are declared perfectly righteous. You are filled with the goodness of God. You are holy. You're God's precious work of art. You're inseparable from God's love. You're made complete in Christ. You're more than a conqueror. You're one who can do all things in Christ. A couple points on that. Let me ask you this, first of all. How long does it take you to become those things? The answer is this zero time. The moment, the second you accept Christ into your heart and life, he says all these things about you. You're not going to become holy. You're not going to become perfectly righteous. You're not going to become his beloved child. You are now that thing. That's what you are. That's who you are today. And that's how we, let me ask you, here's a second question to go with that question. How many of you feel like that all the time? I don't see any hands. How many of you think about yourself in that way all the time? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, how many of you act like that all the time? My point is simply this. It, God says that about us before we do anything. We don't have to do anything to become those things. Those things are true. They're true. Not because we act, we're holy. Not because we act holy. We're holy because God says we're holy. And we can encourage our kids that this is who you are. This is who you are. And they don't have to do anything to earn that. They don't have to behave to earn that. Let me me tell you this. God declaring those things over us is his transformational power in our lives. That's what makes us the way that we are. And us declaring those things to be true over our kids will make them that as well. Look, Parenting is hard work and your kids might not always behave the way that you would like them to. I'm sorry. I have to let you know that. Sometimes they might just be really naughty. They might do things that you just you know, you might think my kid is just Full of hell, and I just say, love the hell right out of them. You know. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Look, look, you might you might get frustrated. It might be really, really hard. You might get tired. But don't give up because God never gave up on you. God never gave up on you. So, in the same way that He speaks those things to us in a variety of ways, we speak them to our kids in a variety of way. So 2B, uh-oh, 2B, uh, 1B, you know, is two points to the first. Two points is separate your kids, who they are, from what they do. All right, that's just a great thing to do. Separate who they are from what they do. You are statements. Whenever we say you are, and you've all been there. We've all been in the grocery store. We've been in Fred Meyer or, or, or Walmart, probably Walmart. You're in line at Walmart, and the person in the, is... As the kid in the basket, you are. And you want to turn, you just, it's, you know, sometimes I want to just drop them. But you can't do that. Can't do that. But you cannot do that, is what I'm saying. You cannot do that. Whenever you say you are anything to your child, it should be positive. Always. You are something amazing. You are, it should be positive. That doesn't mean you can't speak truth to them. You can you can say what you've done here. Uh, this, what you did today, that was a hurtful thing. What, what you've done, that that, 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 that was, that, you know, what you, what you did today, that, that, that was not a kind thing to do. That, that was a hurtful thing. That, that you know, uh, you can say those kinds of things, but we separate who they are from what they've done. Okay. So what you. You are statements should be positive. What you've done statements can be honest and true. They can be positive too, but they can also be negative. It's not easy. I, I, I would be the last person to tell you it's easy raising kids. It's the most difficult, I think, just my opinion, one of, the most, one of the most difficult things you'll do in life is to raise children. I also think it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling and powerful things you can do in the kingdom of God to raise kids and, and, and here, this is the thing I'm not done yet I'm not, you know, on my deathbed, I'm not old and super gray but I've been around for a little while and, and I've come to this conclusion my own experience and that of others I've talked to that when we do get to that point in life very little is going to matter very little is going to matter how much money we made is not going to matter All of the accomplishments, awards, accolades, titles, la, 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 la. Most of it's not going to matter that much. What's going to matter is this. The legacy you leave behind in your children, that's what's going to matter. That's what's going to matter. That's what you're going to care about when it's done. And and that brings me to my third point, my my third and final point. Oh, gosh darn it, I did it again. Don't go it alone. We'll do this real quick. I, I believe with all my heart that we are to be in community. And that to really give our kids the best opportunity to be raised in a kingdom reality and a kingdom perspective, that that should be done in community. Um, I, I am, and I'll say, I'm eternally grateful to some of you here and others that are not here tonight for impartation into the lives of my kids that you've given them. I am. I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that. You, some of you have been a tremendous, tremendous influence on some of their lives. Um, I'm thankful for that. And I, and I really believe it takes that sense of community. Back in the 90s, there was a controversial book written <laughs> called it takes, a village. it takes a Village to Raise a Child. It was controversial not so much because of the content, but because of the author. The author was Hillary Clinton, who was first lady at the time, and uh, it became a lightning rod. It became a lightning rod for political controversy, which, you know, Bob Dole stood up at the Republican National Convention and said, It takes a family! And then, and then uh, Rick Santorum, who recently ran for president, wrote a book. I wrote a rebuttal to her book called It Takes a Family. Uh, I'll just uh, off the subject political comment real quick. But uh, to me, that whole controversy just speaks of what's wrong with our system. It's ridiculous. If anybody that I don't agree with says anything, I automatically have to disagree with them. Even if I think they might possibly be right a little bit, I have to completely disagree with them because they're on the other side of the fence. That's just the stupidest thing on earth. Don't ever do that. Can I say that okay, the point is this: does it take a family to raise a child? Of course it does, yes who 's going to argue with that? but I believe it also takes a village. I, I, I believe it takes community to do that appropriately um, don 't don 't don 't go it alone don 't do it you need, you need help, you need encouragement, you need support. it is hard work it 's hard work you, you, you got, we, we, we really should be as a body of Christ. One of my favorite things, I've said this before, I've said it a lot of times, one of my favorite things is the end of service when the kids are all hanging around in here. I love that. And I'm going to, this is true confession right here. Sometimes, especially the kind of upper elementary, junior high age, when they're all in the back talking together, I, I lose sight of who belongs to who. Which kid goes with which parent. I forget which ones are actually brothers and sisters and which ones are not I think that's good. I like that. I like it that I don't think they care. And I think we should be encouraging one another in this process. I think we should be helping each other out. I think we should be praying for each other. I I think we should be, you know, uh, gosh, you should be watching somebody else's kids so they can go have a date night, and then they should watch your kids so you can go have a date night, you know? We should be doing this stuff. We should be... I love the mommy and me group. I love the different efforts that we've made. And I just think that's so important. I, I'm excited right now. This week we got together with some folks. We talked about starting a new, a new home group in the fall. And it'll be a family life kinship. And the whole perspective, gosh, I'm sorry. The whole perspective is that we'll come together and have dinner and sit around the table and talk about ways in which God has spoken to us and things God's done in our life that week. And the kids will be trained and instructed in the ways of the Lord by listening in on that conversation. And then they have opportunities to share what God's doing in their lives, too, because God speaks to kids, too. Did you know that? just thought I'd let you know. So so I thought that was pretty cool, and I think that's exciting. And I think that's the kind of thing that, that we that we really need to be about, is encouraging and, and helping one another and, and not... And don't... And don't go <laughs> um, my battery's going dead. Is that what's happening? My battery's going dead. Let's stand. Let's stand. Um, here's what I want to do. I'm gonna. Josh, would you come up and just play something sweet? I'm gonna pray. I want. I want to pray over families. Okay, and then. But I also want our ministry team to come up. So ministry.